Steve here from Crossover and Cloud Boards. Back like we never left. This episode, it's all Golden State Warriors talk. Uh, yeah, we kind of flipped the script this time, and uh, Nathan asked me a bunch of questions about my favorite team, the Warriors, so we got into it. Um, there's a couple fake trades there, but we mainly just talk about all the, the players from uh, from the current Warriors, Steph, Dre, Clay, KD, uh, to, to Weber, uh, to Tim Hardaway, to Chris Mullen, to so on and so on. Um, Jay Rich, Dunleavy comes up somehow. Yikes. Uh, anyway, uh, so this is a lot of fun to record and hope you enjoy. Welcome to Crossover and Clapboards. Real Estate Nate here, hosted today. A little flip mode on you. We got uh, Steve here as we're going to discuss the, um, um, let me see, Oakland Warriors? Is it San Francisco Warriors? Nah, it's the Golden State Warriors. Steve, say something to the people. Hey, what's up? Yeah, we, we finally get an opportunity to talk about the Warriors. This is the whole reason why uh, I really want to start a podcast so I can talk for three hours about the Warriors. <laughs> yeah, that's why we're here. That's why we are here. Um, we, uh, Steve's been a lifelong Warriors fan, according to him. I'm assuming he jumped on the bandwagon when Curry got drafted. Um, <laughs> Steve, when did you become a fan of the Warriors and, and why are you a fan of the Warriors? Yeah, so I grew up in the Bay Area, uh, right outside of Oakland, when the Warriors used to play there back in the golden days. And, um, but yeah, so I grew up there. They were the home team. So when I was there, it was uh, Chris Mullen, Tim Hardaway guys like that. Uh, and I kind of gravitated towards them. Right. So when I was, when I was a little kid in, in the late eighties, there were my two favorite players, really, Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, like pretty much everybody that followed basketball. And then, um, yeah, but then I had to, I had to, but you know, there was no league pass back then. There was no, you know, like, I don't, I don't remember us having cable <laughs> or anything like that. So the only, the only games I used to see all the time were the local games. Right. And uh, yeah, so it was Tim Hardaway killer crossover the UTEP two-step Chris Mullen with the sharp shooting, Sharunas Marshall Onus with the stop, pop, and drop. So it was a uh, a lot of a lot of fun. Not a lot of winning, but a lot of fun back in those days. That's fair. And so Tim Hardaway, I'm assuming, is your favorite warrior over Chris Mullen. If you had to pick, hmm. well, <clears throat> so when so when I was a kid, right? They they used to they had this, you know, these um, these local campaigns that sometimes these big corporations have. So McDonald's had one for. Uh, for the Warriors and it was really for Tim Hardaway and Chris Mullen and they used to have this the Tim and Chris burger and then the commercial would be like oh no actually it's the Chris and Tim burger and there's the Tim and Chris burger right they kind of argue about it quote unquote argue yeah. uh, but no I always when I went to McDonald's and I ordered it it would always be the Tim and Chris burger because Tim Hardaway was number one in my eyes that's fair yeah. when did Tim Hardaway get traded to the Heat and then <laughs> he became a Heat fan <laughs> <laughs> it hurt it hurt when, 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 when you know what, what what really hurt was when him and Spreewell didn't get along and and the organization obviously went with Spreewell and I was a Tim Hardaway guy I was like listen I know Tim Hardaway's hurt I think he tore his ACL or something like that so we had to sit the season that uh, Weber was there and um yeah man like it was bad news when he when he was traded and he was he was gone on another organization and seeing him in the red and, and black was not a good feeling you know? Yeah. You could say the Golden State Warriors really choked on that one. <laughs> no? The ball reference for you? No? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it was a matter of time before the choking was going to come up. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you go to any Warriors games as a kid? 
at all? Yeah, yeah. We I went to some. So my my mom used to she used to work in media, right? She used to, I don't know if you remember these things. They're really old fashioned called newspapers. Um, so she used to work in the, for newspapers, obviously in the Bay area. And sometimes she would get tickets, right. And really the tickets were like, they weren't tickets, they were like media passes. So we, I would never have a seat, you know, to like, cause you're media, right. So we didn't have like a, a seat or a row or anything, but basically you have this pass. So you can walk around the whole stadium. You can walk around the tunnels. You can kind of see, um, the press conferences afterwards or what have you. So a lot of times I was kind of be walking around watching the game, watching people. I would go down to the tunnel. The first, the first player that um, I ever was like shoulder to shoulder with, which he really wasn't shoulder to shoulder was Steve Smith, who um, Neil talked about on the last podcast, Steve yeah. Smith. And I was like, Oh my gosh. And I remember Steve Smith was, he's like six, eight. And I was like six foot at the time, probably. Um, well, no, I had to have been shorter than that, but I was short, you know? And so I look up at Steve yeah. Smith and I'm like, well, Steve Smith's like a guard. I was like, how big are these people on the court, right? Like, it, it, you don't fathom it until you see them in person, like how large these individuals are, you know? Yeah, I agree. I think wrestlers and basketball players are larger than life even when you see them in person. So to me, there will always be like this whole, this this place in my heart that's like being superhuman. Is that's are right. the, are the wrestlers too. Wait a minute, are the wrestlers large in life because they wear like the, sh- the smallest little spandex underwear? Or is that maybe, is, uh, but I think it's also like when you see, when you see them on TV or when you see them, it doesn't do justice to how big Andre the Giant was or how much yeah. massive the Undertaker was or the presence and the whole, they build it to make them larger in life, but they are also still this larger in life presence, which is kind of cool. And athletes, they're, they're athletes, yeah. like legitimately. They are athletes. They're basketball yeah. players. They're crazy athletes. Yeah. I remember when I was in watching an NBA game and cheering for my favorite player at the time, which will remain nameless at the time, and uh, drafted by the Warriors, and seeing him at 6'9", 6'10", like, he is so tall and scary tall. It's like, wow, yeah, like, you know he's a shooting guard, you know he's a small forward, but you didn't realize he's that tall. It's kind yeah. of incredible. So we have, I have some questions for you. So we have, um, I don't want to go to the, the new team or the Curry team yet, but can you give me some great moments before they drafted Curry that you that that maybe the average Warrior fan that jumped on the bandwagon would know because they just it's like the it's like before BC area BC era and and after Christ area but it's after Curry I feel like <laughs> yeah. that's how we discuss this BC BC and AC before, before Curry, Curry after Curry yeah <laughs> well the um, the joyful moments were few and far between <laughs> for sure uh I remember I remember you know in the playoffs when uh when Weber's rookie and really his only full season there um you know they got swept by the Suns but he had the behind the back dunk on Barkley on the break uh highlight which was like young me was like oh my god we did it <laughs> <You know? laughs> we did it first round sweep but like whoever did something right um, yeah so that was really cool um there's there's been a lot of a lot of hope for Warriors fans over the years not a lot of production and not a lot of success so I remember guys like Spreewell incredibly talented um uh Anthony Randolph was somebody who was looked at to be like the next one Monte Ellis another guy who was like the Mississippi bullet uh, he was exciting to watch. And then he had the scooter accident. And then th- that was kind of like the apex of his career there. Yeah. Um, the second round pick, I believe 42nd overall, he was that pick. And I, 
I was excited to watch him do some damage, and then they traded him away for Bogut, which kind of started everything. Yeah, that's what happened. Which, which was the right decision, right? And and at the time, I remember yeah. fans, you know, Joe Lake, the owner of the Warriors, or the what do you, the governor, I think they call him now. Um, he, you know, he he went out there after after trading Monte, and he got booed by the home fans, right? And uh, I was at home. Obviously, I wasn't there anymore. But I was at home. I was like, oh no, like we're going with Steph Curry. Like it's going to be okay. It's fine. And then look at us, you know, ten years later, we made yeah. it. We made it, mom. We made it. <laughs> Now you went to, you grew up, when did you move to Iowa? What year did you move to Iowa? Oh man. To Oakland area to Iowa to New York. Right? Yeah. I, I would have moved to Iowa's mid nineties. So uh, probably 94. And then I moved to New York. I was, I was in Iowa for a short amount of time. And I moved to New York in like 95, 96 ish, something like that. So being the Iowa, living in Iowa and being a Warriors fan, how much, how did you, how much did you feel like Hubert during that time? <laughs> <laughs> you know you know cheering it was, for a bad team and everyone else is definitely not cheering for your team <laughs> no, no nobody was cheering right because like that was in the shadow of like them trading chris, chris weber and okay you know they traded chris weber for uh tom googliata i don't know if, if the listeners are going to yeah. remember googs, googs. <laughs> yeah but that was a dark time to be a warriors fan um because they traded they traded weber tim hardaway was eventually let go there and um and we had Spreewell, billy owens google googliata uh chris mullen was i think was on his way out or going to the pacers so it was a rough time the only the only good part was that you know living in iowa we got WGN, the channel for free. And WGN showed all of the Bulls games, all the home, all the Bulls games. Uh, so I got to watch Michael Jordan exclusively for the first time in my life, which was like the best thing, you know? Yeah, argu- arguably the best thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, for, for like, a, you know, a, a 14, 15, 16-year-old to watch Michael Jordan all the time, man, it's like, that, that was, it, it was, it was phenomenal, you know? Okay. <laughs> um moves that you would have made differently than the Warriors did before Curry. Before Curry period. What would you have done differently in that time? Were you like, oh, we should have taken this guy, or oh, we should have traded him, or oh, we should have not done that trade? Is there any moves that you would have done as a Warriors fan? Because we all we all play GM at home. We all wanna, you know, be, oh, I wouldn't have done that, or I don't get why they did that. And I mean you're a pretty logical guy, so I'm assuming you could see the the value of what everyone was doing but any moves that you feel like were were awful that stand out to you yeah there's there's a few that that come to mind probably what i would say is um i'll tell you the bad one first <laughs> sure uh so the the guy i wanted them to take instead of clay thompson i wanted them to take alec burks uh which sounds Ooh. terrible now yeah <laughs> alec, alec burks alec you saying alec yeah burks by the way, the best name if you're a butler, the Burks. <laughs> Mr. Burks, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, um, I wanted, I wanted, I wanted them to draft him because I thought, oh man, Alec Burks, you know, he can kind of play a little bit of point guard. He can facilitate a little bit. Curry can play a little bit more off ball, but they can kind of share those point guard responsibilities. I thought he'd be a great fit in that regard. And then, yeah, they, they drafted Clay Thompson and they became the best backcourt of all time, right? So. That was all time ago. It's a good name drop. 
<laughs> it's true. I don't know. I'm just stating facts here. Um, one one that I definitely never would have done. Uh, I understood why they did it, I guess, but I never would have traded uh, Jason Richardson for Brandon Wright or the, the draft rights to Brandon Wright. You know, at, at that time when, when they traded him, we had so few marketable, longstanding Warriors players um, that it was just like, dog, like we trade the one guy that actually seemed like he wants to be here. And I understand like he's going to go on the way down at some point. But, you know, uh, our franchise sucks. So <laughs> we at least need a guy that's going to be, you know, a, a cornerstone of that franchise, a face of that franchise, have his name and, and number retired with the franchise because he has a special place there because we obviously weren't going to be winning. So we may as well have the guy. Right. Um, So that's not one I would have done. And then I'll tell you one that I would have done that. I think I don't hold it against the Warriors organization for doing, but they drafted after it was Yao Ming and it was Jay Williams from Duke. And then they drafted Michael Dunleavy. And hold I'll, on, I'll, hold on. End the on podcast. Board. Cut the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Cut the podcast. That's it. That's enough. No, we're done here. That's the best. That's the best thing the Warriors have ever done. For the record, the, the best thing. I don't know about that, man. Yeah. I mean, I became a Warriors fan overnight from that. <laughs> that was. You know, you know what's funny? Let, let's get let's get into Dunleavy for a second, right? Because okay. I, and and explain okay. to people, right? Like, because people aren't going to understand why we're going to talk for about Michael Dunleavy Jr. for four to five minutes. Yes. Um, Full name, thank you. <laughs> yeah, but but explain explain what you think about Dunleavy Jr. What are your impressions? What's your perception of him? Listen, I love that. First of all, Neil's podcast has came out before about the Miami Heat and his love for Steve Smith in college. I never seen a college basketball game. So I've been watching NBA basketball since I was a little guy in the early, in the late eighties with magic. Mm. And, and so to me, it's like magic and bust. Like there's nobody, there's nobody in the same league as magic Johnson. And when I got to Canada in 93, there was no basketball. on. There was no, like, they might have the championship game on, but it was Jordan and I was a magic fan. And so I don't want to watch that garbage, right? So I have I have gone through basketball withdrawal. So I started playing junior high basketball, and ran into some people that had satellite, and we were able to watch some the NCAA championship. And this kid, this guy was a Duke fan, mm-hmm. so Duke was in the finals in two thousand one, and Jay Will was this top prospect. Battier was this incredible teammate and player. But you know who had to put them both on his back and carry him to an NCAA title? One, Mike Dunleavy Jr. And so like Neil, I fell in love with a player in their college years, lighting it up, winning a championship, putting it all in front of them. And still, I own that game. I have the DVD of that game. That's how much I love that game. And I'm like, wherever this dude goes, I'm going to love him because I just he makes his teammates better. He, he stepped up for his senior because he was a sophomore, I believe, at that time. Yep. And he stepped up for a senior who was graduating, and Jay Well, who then decided to ride a bike into something. And I was so excited about this guy being able to play in the NBA. And when he went third overall behind Yao Ming and Jay Well, he went to the Warriors. I bought that jersey, I think, the next day. And the Warriors jerseys are nice, especially the old city one. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. like the I don't like the mascot looking one or the white and yeah, I don't, but I like the old city one. So I bought yeah. a Dunleavy jersey and I became instantly 
that became my dude. I became loyal to that dude. And so when they trade him to the Pacers, I still love that dude. And I like Troy Murphy. He went over the Pacers. Dunleavy was runner-up most improved player behind Danny Granger, his teammate. Okay. Talk he, was, about he was on the up and up. And he made his teammates better. <laughs> the up and, and up. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And then he played for Milwaukee, which was fun to watch with Monte Ellis and Brandon Jennings. They made the playoffs. And then he was a starting small forward for Tibbs on the Chicago Bulls. And though I hate the Chicago Bulls, I love every player on that team except for Derrick Rose. I love Jimmy Butler. I love Dunleavy. I love Taj Gibson. Who can – I love Joe Noah in Florida. I thought he was incredible in Florida. Like, these are my dudes. I know those teams were dogs, and Tibbs was a great coach. And Dunleavy was, you know, people laugh about why is this guy a starter? This guy makes his teammates better, and Tibbs knew that. And so I love Dunleavy. I've loved Dunleavy forever. I have every one of his team's jerseys, including the three weeks he was in Cleveland, except I can't buy a Bulls jersey. It's against my religion. So everything other than that, I have. And so Mike Dunleavy's my dude. I'm a loyal guy. I I follow the player. So you can't hate for me following a player because I've never mm. seen college basketball till that moment. I never knew how the beauty of that. That's and fair. To me, it's, it's pure. That's it's fair. So and as a college basketball coach now, I love it. There's nothing better in the world. And I love the NBA. I appreciate the NBA. I try to watch as a fan, but college basketball is like the purest basketball. Yeah. And and now you say all that about Don Levy for me to say this. He's my least favorite warrior of all time. He's my <laughs> most, he's, he's the most hated warrior of all time. He's the most disappointing warrior of all time. I hated his time here with the franchise. His years there were nothing but darkness and disappointment and depression. <laughs> you know, the Dunleavy years, you want to talk about, you know, what is it, BC before Curry? Oh, those epitomized it because, again, the, the, us as warrior fans that year we were hoping for Yao Ming we we're like we hope we get the number one pick Yao Ming's going to change sure. it. we never have a good center you know for sure Yao Ming's going to change the fortune of the franchise oh we didn't get the number one pick okay maybe we get number two pick you know Jay Williams he's good no he didn't get the number two pick and then it's kind of like oh, okay well you're left with Dunleavy I actually like Dunleavy in college he was a guy that could do a little bit of everything uh but I, I you know it's, it's hard to 2001 is a long time ago right but from what I remember about yeah. Dunleavy he could score a little bit, good shooter, but a good, a, a good creator and facilitator with the ball in his hands and like made smart decisions at Duke or what have you. Yeah. And I remember the first game, I was excited. Like back in the day, we don't have team success. So our excitement was really centered around the draft. And it was yeah. about what pick we we're going to get in the draft and then how these draft picks are going to look in their rookie seasons. So I remember I, I didn't, I think when, yeah, I didn't live in New York and I think it was right before I had league pass. So I didn't see his first game, but I remember watching the highlights and Don Nelson, he didn't start Dunleavy, which was like, that's fair. Yeah. Didn't play Dunleavy the whole first half. And I was like, that's weird for the number three pick not to play. And then he basically subbed him in like the last two minutes of the game. And I was like, this is not good. And it was fitting for his whole Warriors career there, man. It was, it was so terrible. It was so dark. I tried to mentally just block it out of my mind. Unfortunately, my mind won't allow me to, uh, to to go and free itself from from the Dunleavy era. And I argue that Dunleavy had to play with a bunch of morons, and there was nobody on the team, and he finally got to play in Indiana and got to play with guys that were real basketball players. So it was nice for them to leave the Warriors and be stuck with who was on that team, who was on that team. 
<laughs> what what yeah. I would say, well, I'm going to look Richards it up. Richards on that team. I remember but, the 2K game. <laughs> what what I would say is um, Dunleavy was definitely not built to be a like your lead guy or whatever, right? That's a big problem <laughs> if he's if he's there. If he's like he can't be your number one. Excuse me, he can't be your number one guy. But on that team, you had uh, Gilbert Arenas, who was in his his second year. Uh, I don't know if you remember little Earl Boykins, one one of my faves there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but yeah. really, but really, the main guys on that team, like Jay Rich, was was Jay young. Rich. He was in the second year. Troy Murphy was in the second year. But really, it was like Anton Jameson. Like that was his team, right? Danny Fortson was on the team. Donald Foyle, right? If you remember those guys, Bobby Sura yeah. was on that team. So it was definitely a team not built for success, yes. <laughs> not not built yes. for the playoffs. And Dunleavy um, could not, he just, he wasn't the kind of player that could turn the franchise around. Right. And I think that's kind of where, I think that's the pitfall of his Warriors career is like, we were expecting him to be like top notch and kind of help turn us around. And instead it wasn't that at all. You know, listen, he, he had a better career than Jay will. So you can argue you want a Jay will on that team, but he had a better career than him. I mean, listen, if, if Jay was in, in Oakland, I mean, this, this is taking a dark turn, but if Jay will's not in Oakland. Uh, or he's in Oakland and not in Chicago. Maybe he doesn't have the same same injury uh, off the court, maybe. right? I saw a, a quick deviation, right? And then we'll get off the Dunleavy thing. I saw Jay, Will- Jay Williams play in like um, a pro-am, like one of these pro-am games, you know, these, these summer games yeah. where they have like college guys, pro guys or whatever playing. But it was after his injury. And I think it was like shortly after. Do you remember that? that uh, There's like a year maybe that he played with the Nets, Jay Williams? No, I don't know okay. that at all. Well, because he, you know, he was trying to come back or whatever, right? I saw him playing. It was one of the saddest things, man, because it was like you can tell like he he knew he can do certain – like in his head that he could do certain things, but then his body yeah. wouldn't allow him to do it. And it was yeah. against guys not in the league. Like it was – there were like a couple guys on the on the court that were in the league, but it was mainly like young college guys or what have you, right? And, and like he just couldn't do the things that he could do at Duke. Uh, so, yeah, so, I mean, I still I, – Listen, you're right. Dunleavy had a better career than Jay Williams, but uh, yes. Jay Williams definitely had the higher potential out of the two. Oh, for sure. For sure. So, okay, we'll go off of this, but yeah. um, let's go to, I'm curious. So now we'll go to after Curry. Now we can discuss top three moments you had as a Warriors fan in your life. Wait a minute. So, so top three moments. So one of them definitely came before Curry. And really that okay. one of those moments was the We Believe team. You know, when... When they beat, uh, when they beat Dallas. Uh, Dallas, thank you, in the first round, that was our championship. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because if you think about, it, like, I think that was the only time they made the playoffs from like '95 to like 2012 or something like that. Um, so yeah, they they did that, and it was like, oh, euphoria. <laughs> you know, I remember watching. I remember my auntie mailing me one of the shirts from there, uh, the We Believe shirts or what have you. Um, that's way too faded and it doesn't fit anymore, probably. But um, <laughs> yeah, so that was definitely a top three moment. And then you're asking me just a top another couple moments that I, that I love from the team. Yeah. Huh. Hmm. Well, obviously, 2015 when they won a championship. Yeah. Uh, that kind of goes without saying. It was. Uh, it was a little bit of a surprise, right? I remember in the regular season, they obviously had a good regular season. Uh, I was like, man, if they make the conference finals, like that's a win, 
Like, that's a great season. Like, this is how sad it is to be a Warriors fan at the time, right? Because, like, the year before they lost in the first round to the Clippers and the year before that in 2013, that's when they beat the Nuggets, right, in the first round and upset the Nuggets and then lost to the Spurs. So 2015 was like, man, if they make it to the if they make it to the conference finals, phenomenal A plus season. That's going to be great. And then they did like they beat the Rockets and then they go on and yeah. beat the Cavs and they beat LeBron James. And like, I, like I remember at the end of that series, obviously there's no Kyrie, there's no Kevin Love, but I remember at the end of that series, like when LeBron left the game, I was like, man, standing ovation to LeBron in my in my house, <laughs> standing ovation to LeBron because like. He was incredible and the Warriors were better, man. And like Steph Curry was better. And it, it, that, that was just a phenomenal feeling that I, I remember at the time I told my wife, who's a Raptors fan, like, I, I hope that you get the feeling that I get right now because being a long fan of being a longstanding fan of a team that usually sucks and they finally get over the hump. And it's, it's just such a joyous, content, contented feeling, man. Um, so that was the other one. And then another top three moment, um, Getting KD. Wow. I, I, I think the dark side was your th- third top three moment. That, that's probably the number three one. Get, getting KD was like, oh, this is going to be the best team in the history of the game. And we as Warriors, like the Warriors have an opportunity to, to put their stamp on being like having the best dynasty, having the best team ever having the best collection of players ever, like having maybe possibly the three best shooters of all time on the same court in their prime altogether, right? So just yeah. the potential of what KD brought to that Warriors team, um, that was pretty special. I'd probably say that was probably number three. And Durant, Curry, and Clay, are they your top three Warriors of all time? Or do you go back? Oh, to no, 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 no. Uh, I like I like KD. Uh, he's he's definitely not top three Warriors of all time. Um, well, he's two Finals MVPs. <laughs> yeah, well, as, as you know, right? Uh, I mean, Iguodala has a Finals MVP, uh, but he's not yeah, he's he not ahead of Curry. He took the oh, Bronze. Get out of here. You can't be serious. You can't be serious because we could dive into this, right? But you can't be serious with it. <laughs> with the, he took LeBron's MVP. I think looking back, right? I, and I think as we get further away from that 2015 finals, it gets yeah. that decision to give Iguodala the finals MVP looks worse and worse. And Agreed. I think at the time, like Warriors fans, I really didn't care. Like it was like, whatever. I don't care. Like we won the championship, right? Like that's the whole point of the game. Um, and I wouldn't have cared even if they gave it to LeBron, but, uh, you know, five, six years later now, it's like, ugh, like just give it to Curry. Like he's the best player on the best team. It's, it's pretty simple sometimes, you know? Yeah. Agreed. So you're asking me my, my top three warriors. Yes, I am. All right. Uh, Curry, number one. You know, yeah. I, when, when you have an AC, when you, yeah, when you have a BC and AC, I mean, yeah. that's self-explanatory. <laughs> yes. uh, my favorite number two guy, Tim Hardaway. Um, he he, he kind of led me, you know, sometimes you get nostalgic, right? And the people from your childhood, the, the ones you remember the most. Uh, so he was a guy I remember, man. He was a guy I remember trying to emulate his UTEP two-step and and even though I was probably taller than him when I was like 11 already, <laughs> um, he, he was a guy whose game I tried to try to pattern mine a little bit after. And and I wore number 10 when, you know, my very first basketball team, you know, because of Tim Hardaway. 
So he's probably number two. Number three, I got to give an honorable mention to Chris Mills, who tried to fight the whole Portland Trailblazers team after a game <laughs> <laughs> one night. <laughs> you know, he's a warrior through and through. Uh, but Draymond's got to be number three for me, man. I love Draymond. I love when we drafted wow. him. Wow. Uh, when you know, when he was behind David Lee in, in minutes and, in, you know, for minutes or what have you, uh, my wife probably was gets, got so annoyed because I was like, yo, he needs more minutes than David Lee because he's better than David Lee. He brings more to the table than David Lee. And I was beating the table. And then the next season, David Lee got hurt and then Draymond took a spot and the spot never got taken back. So I love Draymond, man. Draymond's Draymond's my guy. He's my number three Warriors of all time. First of all, blasphemous as a New York fan to, to, to belittle David Lee. He's the greatest <laughs> Nick over the last 20 years. <laughs> it's true. Second of all, you haven't named any of the six retired jerseys, which I'm going to test you on later without you Googling them. I'm curious if you know who the retired jerseys are for the Warriors fans. <laughs> sure. And, and then my next question before we get into that, you talked about you want your wife to have the experience of having the Raptors be a championship team well they did and they did it against your warriors how many days did you have to sleep in the basement after that or before that or was your wife just so happy that you like they knocked out your team they they made durant leave what, what were the repercussions of this situation in your in your family household because the raptors broke this super team that you are speaking of please elaborate <laughs> first off <laughs> First off, the Raptors didn't break the Warriors. All right, it was eight. It was ACLs and Achilles that broke the Warriors super team up. Uh, okay. What, what I would say is, you know, my wife. You know, like I started being. I was a Warriors fan, and then she started kind of obviously rooting for the Warriors. And it's very easy, you know, once they start winning too, right? So I don't. I don't. She obviously was very happy that they won, but she hated that it was at the expense of my team. And quick little story. So when they when they were in the championship in 2019. Uh, my wife's parents were out here and staying with us. And it was very obvious that they were rooting for the Raptors, like the Canadian team and yada, yada. So I get it. Sure. But it was like, you know how like you watch a game in your own house and it's your team and it's like a home game. Well, it felt like I was on the road the whole series because everybody <laughs> in my house was rooting against the Warriors. And you could tell, right? They're like, oh yeah, like good for them. But like when the Raptors do something, it's like, yes. And like hand claps and like, mm. And I'm like, yeah, these people over here <laughs> in my house, my house, the, the hands that this, 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 this house was not built with my bare hands. Okay. I'm not very handy, but, um, but I live here. This is a warrior's household. This is not a rafter's house. <laughs> um, but no, it, and honestly, man, it was terrible. And then when KD tried to come back in game, was that game five? And, and he tore and he tore his Achilles completely. And then the Raptors fans started cheering. Oh, I was hot, yeah. man. I was hot. And, and, and that's honestly, you know, the Raptors fans never want to bring this up, but I remember the moment very vividly and I'll never forgive the Raptors, the whole organization from the fans to Masai down to Lowry. It's never forgiven, but, um, yeah, man, it was it was it was tough. It was tough to see everybody get hurt like that. But at the same time, I don't know. It was it was nice that my, my wife's team won. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> I 
that's what I'm supposed to say, right? <laughs> yeah, I think so. All right, Steve, I want I'm giving you six jersey numbers. None of the major top three of Warriors of all time. Mm-hmm. I need you to tell me. Actually, you tell me the six guys that are without Googling it, because I have a computer obviously in front of you. Yeah. Who are the six guys that have retired numbers and what are the retired numbers? Oh, what are the retired numbers? That's even tougher. Okay, let me give you Wilt Chamberlain. Yeah. Uh, you his, give number. his number? Or you... uh, number 13. Number? 13. That's right. Number 13. Uh, Al Adels. Yeah. Uh, he's number, number... 16. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I wouldn't have gotten yeah, that. Uh, Rick Barry. Yep. Do you know his number? Number. No, it's not 24. Uh, it is 24. Is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. 24. I could have yeah. sworn Kent Bazemore wore number 24, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you get retired later. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, so Barry, uh, after that, so Will Barry uh, Mullen? Yeah. 17. That's right. And then I have two more, right? You have two more. I've never heard of one guy, to be honest. And I don't know how he's got a retired jersey. I'm forgetting somebody really obvious. I, I think I'm, I'm forgetting a big. You want to give me a hint on? You want to give me a hint on uh, the other one that that you heard of? The other one I heard of was a top fifty NBA player, two time All Defensive First Team, seven time All Star. He averaged seventeen point four points, sixteen point nine rebounds, and he played eleven yeah. seasons for the Warriors. Yeah, and that's the guy. Uh, his name escapes me right now, but I know exactly who you're talking about, and I can't remember his yeah. name. Give it to me. He's <laughs> great, great first name. Great first name. Maybe the best first name ever made. <laughs> the best first name ever made. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh world, world, no, it's not World Be Free. Um, no. No, nah, give it to me. I, I can't remember his name. Nate Thurmond. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's a good hint. <laughs> Nate Thurmond. Tom, Tom Mascari? Mascari? I never heard of this guy. He played only six seasons and averaged just under 13 points a game. I don't know why his. He, he must be the owner's son. He, <laughs> he probably played when they played in peach baskets or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. They don't <laughs> have a going... picture of him. He's old. They didn't have cameras when he was on the team. <laughs> yeah. You know, back in those days, the final score would be 21 to 22 or something like that. Yeah. He, he had six points. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. All right. So biggest warrior villains. Who are the three most warrior villains now, like, or moments where you were the, the saddest as a Warriors fan? Now, I know there's one I'm going to bring up because I love pissing you off. Um, up 3 1, 72 and 73 and 19. We got to give one, one of those three spots has to go to LeBron. Has to. But give me the other two. I don't know if it has to go to LeBron, man, but. Uh... I'll try to I'll try to come up with some other guys. So, um, Kobe used to always kill the Warriors, but at the same time, it didn't matter because the Warriors always killed themselves during those days. So I don't know if he'd be top three. Uh, oh, okay. Owners, uh, uh, Warriors ownership for twenty plus years <laughs> number one villains to the Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> it was a self-sabotage every year every season every decade and it was it was it was rough man like i, I don't want to go too deep into the names but gary st Jean, rough um it, basically the, the ownership before uh larry rally rough the ownership before joe lake man it uh, 
it, it was like rooting against <laughs> anyway I, I won't even make a bad analogy I, I would say it was rough so they have to be number one in terms of villains. okay uh okay. number two I mean we can say LeBron but honestly to me in 2016 man it was like LeBron and Kyrie man like it, Kyrie's the guy that hit the shot it, it wasn't LeBron right so th- that kind of had the walk LeBron had a lot of moments prior to Kyrie hitting that shot Sure. What, 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 which moment is bigger? Like LeBron's block or Kyrie's shot? Kyrie's shot, they were tied, I believe, when he shot it, correct? Correct, yes. Yeah, so LeBron's block is a bigger deal. Get out of here. <laughs> what? Being in that, what are you talking that, about? I was in that bar watching that game, cheering against your Warriors because, you know, that's what I do. And I remember watching that whole last six minutes, and you can watch it on YouTube. Yeah, but the whole last six minutes of that fourth quarter, mm-hmm. and it might have been the most intense moments of basketball. Missed shot, yeah. made shot, made shot. Like it was just so much defense was like the per, the what was going on at the moment, mm-hmm. and it was just funny. First of all, I think that's one of LeBron's biggest um, faults is that he didn't take that shot. He moved over to Kyrie to take that shot, mm-hmm. and Jordan wouldn't. It wasn't like LeBron was getting triple teamed and he kicked it like Jordan did for Kerr to mm. win the championship. He did not it facilitate. Was LeBron was like, mm. d- didn't even get an opportunity, didn't even look to take that shot. He gave it to Kyrie. They got the switch on Curry. Sure. He did shot he did thousands of times before yeah. and hit it on Curry, which was the right move in, in theory, but it will always be a, a, a like, a, I can't think of the word right now, but uh, something against LeBron for the rest of his career. I, I can't believe you're on a recorded podcast saying that LeBron's block was bigger than Kyrie's shot. Kyrie's shot in game seven with less than a minute to go in the game with a, a tie game in game seven is the biggest shot in NBA history. <laughs> like, I don't know, man. Watching that game, that block doesn't happen. It wouldn't matter what Kyrie did. But even, but even using your argument against you, right? Saying like, I, I remember the last six minutes. Now, I will not be watching the last six minutes on YouTube. Listeners, you can go ahead yeah. and watch them if you want to. I'll never relive those last six minutes of the game. <laughs> I have I've seen LeBron's block <laughs> since the, it happened in real time. <laughs> um, um, and I haven't seen Kyrie shot since that in real time either. But what I would say is um, you're talking about like the defense was so incredible. Well, yeah, like, so if one person hits a shot, because really it came down to one field goal was made in those last six minutes and it was Kyrie and it was in the last minute of the game. That's, that's the biggest moment of the game. Not, not LeBron's, not LeBron's block, man. Like that was obviously big too. But if we're, if I have to choose between the two, it's obviously Kyrie shot, man. Like I, I don't, I don't, I can't even fathom how you're making this argument right now. I don't know. I feel like, I feel like defense was the last six. Anyways, watch it. Give us your opinion. Steve will put up something on Instagram about what was the bigger play, knowing Steve, the block or the shot. But I, I really believe it was the block. The block led to the shot, and I don't feel like the shot would have even mattered. Dog, anyways, it doesn't. You matter. hold on, hold on. You've been brainwashed by this LeBron machine, man. Like <laughs> because I, I, I understand that. I think what's been replayed more, what's been shown more over the last five or six years has been LeBron's block over Kyrie's shot, which is crazy to me because Kyrie's shot is obviously the bigger of the two. You, when you're in your driveway or you're at the park or you're in a gym 
when you're a kid and you do the countdown five, four, three, two, one, it's about hitting the game. It's about hitting the game winner in game seven against all odds and draining it just like Kyrie did, you know, and as great as that block was, it was not on the level of what Kyrie did. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like there's a reason why LeBron did not take that shot or did not make that shot at the time. Right. And Kyrie did because Kyrie is very highly capable of those type of shots. So um, yeah, it's blasphemy to me. And it's just kind of like, I I understand LeBron is a great player and he's, he's one of the greatest of all time, but let's not let that skew the facts of what he had with Kyrie because Kyrie was incredible that series after game four. And he obviously hit the, he hit the biggest shot in NBA history. So if if you're going to say the biggest shot in NBA history, history, yes. If you're not going to say the biggest shot in NBA history wasn't, wasn't the biggest play of the game then I don't then I don't know what shot would be right I don't know what NBA shot would be LeBron's yes we can listen we can argue this another time but this is <laughs> fascinating to me this is the biggest I'm curious what the biggest shot in the NBA history is but I don't think I think you got to go Jordan pull up on Russell has to be the biggest shot in NBA history it was game six did they win the Bulls that was the game that was an deciding game of course, no, it wasn't the deciding game. It was the game that, they, that the Jazz decided to lose. It, it was it was game six. If Jordan hits that shot in game seven with uh, three seconds left or however much was left on the on the clock at the end of game six, that's probably the biggest shot because it's obviously the, the, the greatest player of all time. But Kyrie, game seven, three-pointer, pull up, come on, between the, all that, man, like, you, you're making me turn into some guy that, like, I love the shot. I do not love this shot, and I hate that you're making me talk about <laughs> it for an extended period of time. But if you think about all the ramifications, right, I think we spoke about uh, about this with Ian on the Lakers podcast, or or I, I can't remember now, but it was, like, all the ramifications of what that shot meant, right? Like, if Kyrie misses that shot, and then Curry comes down, or Clay comes down and hits a shot, and then the Warriors win, and they complete the perfect season, essentially, with the 73 wins, and the the championship, does, Ky- does KD go to the Warriors? Probably not, right? So you have that team. Warriors are never a super team. Kevin Love might get traded. Kyrie might get traded next season because LeBron's not going to just continue to lose to a non-super team when he has a super team, right? Um, that that shot, to me, kind of changed the, the latter half of that decade. And, and it was a game seven shot. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't understand why. I'm not going to continue to talk about it, I guess, because we're going okay. long in the tooth here. But it was, it, it was in game seven. I don't, I don't know what else to say. All right. All right. Bigger than the Ray Allen shot? Bigger than the Ray Allen shot. Yes. Okay. That would, Again, that shot, as, as incredible as that shot was, and that's probably number two or three or four, it's, it's top five for sure, but that was game six, that shot. But they still eliminated them at that game. Nope, nope. Uh, they were down 3-2, and then Ray Allen hit that shot, right? Because that, that was the time where all the Miami Heat fans were going home, and uh, Ray Allen hits that shot, and then they had to come back, and then they ended up winning in game seven. Is that right? Okay. Anyways, we'll, we'll figure out shots later. This is fun. <laughs> we just take shots at you. All right. Um, what else did I want to ask you about the Warriors? How's the team going to look this year? You're coming back. Clay is coming back, supposedly, mm-hmm. according to his. And you got Iguodala back, which doesn't matter because he's dead weight. Um, Curry and Draymond are still there running a bunch of rookies around. Yeah. How's the Warriors going to do this year? I think they'll do. I think they'll do well. 
Uh, I don't think they're going to be like a top two or three team in the Western Conference. Uh, I, I'd probably say they're going to finish around five, six seed. Uh, I, I would expect them to finish better than the play-in, which is what they kind of got into this year when they finished with AC. Um, I don't know. A, lo- a lot of the things that they needed to address in this offseason, I don't think they address with their free agents or their rookies. So, like, the top three things I want them to address going into next season, perimeter shooting uh, or stretch big, uh, perimeter defense, uh, and, and, like, another – creator with the ball in their hands i really think they only got the shooting part down with their with their additions like they brought auto porter in uh they got bialitsa as a stretch big and and then obviously they have, they have clay coming back right but those other two things i don't think they address at all but five six seed um should be good to go hopefully make it at least into the second round and and i think really what they should be building for is like get clay back going this season get the ball rolling get jordan pull more minutes and then it's the season after that where, you know, Kaminga, Wiseman, Moody, Jordan Poole, these young guys hopefully are good enough to actually play and play well. And then maybe you go for the championship in the next year. Next year, like one year away, you're saying? I, I think they're one year away from like legitimately being a, uh, like a heavyweight contender, but I don't think they're in the same class as the Lakers, the Bucks, or the Nets. Or the Clippers? Uh, with the, uh, I think they're in the same class with the Clippers. Uh, I mean, Kawhi's not going to play most of the season, I would think, if not, if not at all. So, I think I think them, the Clippers, uh, who else? Uh, the Blazers, maybe the Mavericks. The part they're pretty much all in the same boat. They're going to be battling for that four to seven seed sort of thing, similar to what they were doing this year. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. Do, I mean, like do you think five sixty? I don't think they're getting past the first round this year. Do you think don't. so? What, what? How do you see their regular season going? Do you think they're going to be a five six seed, or do you think they're going to be like last year, like an eight seed? I don't think they'll be an eight seed. I think Clay's going to help open up the floor, if anything, for um, uh, for Curry to get more shots and not be double and triple team. Mm-hmm. I think Draymond really's got to look to shoot. Like I know he does all these other things, but. It's killing them. It's killing them to have one guy that's where you know where the ball's going. He's not going to shoot. And so Clay can open up the court quite a bit. And we'll see. I will see. I don't think Iguodala is going to move the needle at all for them. And they have a lot of rookies still that are unproven. Right? Wiseman, is, he, is Wiseman not hurt anymore? He's still hurt. He's <laughs> still hurt. So I'm, I'm, I would like them to sneak into the playoffs. I have a feeling Portland's going to be um, blowing up the whole team by halfway through the season. Mm, I have a feeling the Lakers are going to be, I still believe they're going to be in the bottom half of the, of the playoffs, four to eight, somewhere in there. Right. Um, so we'll see. I still think it's, it's a, right now it's Utah and Nuggets and Clippers to prove that they're not the top three teams and Phoenix, which I don't think Phoenix is going to be in there again. Chris Paul is, is two rounds. He's two rounds. He got, for free heals an injury this year so oh gosh no we don't want that but <laughs> we don't want that but it's, <laughs> but it's inevitable like your Thanos it is, it really <laughs> the is. Um, what I would say is you know I think it's obvious that the Warriors are like big game hunting they're looking for the big trade they're looking for Bradley Bill they're looking for Damian Lillard they're looking for uh, Ben Simmons even right like I think they're looking for the big we're gonna own the weekend on sports talk radio and podcasts and ESPN and sports center sort of 
headline trade. So because honestly, I would have been very comfortable if they would have traded the rookies or one of the rookies for like Malcolm Brogdon or Miles Turner or something like that. Right. And it's obviously that, that, that they don't want to just be good and they don't want to just be on the precipice of being like a championship team. They want to make a move that is going to put them as the front runners, which is cool, but there's never going to be, I think that's a little bit of like the KD hangover. And I don't think as Warriors fans, we can never expect them to have another signing. That's going to be that level that, that Kevin Durant brought to the, to the organization. Like that was a perfect basketball fit and it was the best free agent signing of all time. And that's never going to happen again. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. I don't think it should. And I hope it doesn't, to be honest. <laughs> you hope it doesn't. I hope it doesn't. Well, I, I want, I want having teams that they're, unless it's your team, yeah. having teams that are equal and, and having competitive and like having it so you don't know who's going to win makes the NBA so much more exciting. As much as a Warriors fan or a Cleveland fan, the five that are out there in the world, <laughs> uh, love the 2015 to 2019 stretch or whatever it was, it's frustrating for the rest of us because we just want to watch something different or something to come up. So you don't, and, you don't, you don't love greatness? Fan, for sure, you're happy. Pardon? You don't love greatness? You don't like watching greatness? I love greatness if it's my team. <laughs> <laughs> you like bias greatness. <laughs> I want, but, but honestly, for like, greatness is impressive. But to do it every year, to have like the, these like stacked better teams, like everyone's talking about Brooklyn Lakers, Brooklyn Lakers. And I don't think either of them are going to make the championship. I really don't. Um, because of injury or sage burning or retirements or whatever is the situation is going to be. Now, don't get me wrong. I'll watch Brooklyn Lakers NBA games. I'll, those that's must see TV for this season. Yeah. But I'm I don't see them playing each other in the finals. Just like they the year they wanted Lakers Clippers to go to the Western Conference final, it didn't happen in the bubble. Like it's just things mm-hmm. like that never play out exactly as they they, they do. But we'll see. We'll see all this whole thing. Oh yeah. Um. We got to finish up here. I got three trades for Steve as the wait a minute. general manager. Of the- wait a minute. Wait. But b- b- before before we go on, I want I want to get your opinion on something, right? Please. Before before we get yeah, the fake Dunleavy trades. Dunleavy is my top warrior of all time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Draymond, Dunleavy, and uh, now Dunleavy's the special general manager assistant uh, or whatever. So yeah. he's twice on the list. Thank okay. you for asking. Yeah, this will be edited out of the podcast. Okay, so move. <laughs> I want I want to ask your opinion on Steve Kerr, man. Do you think he's like, like, do you think he's a good coach? You think he's a great coach? You think he's elite? Do you think he's okay? Kind of where, where are you at in regards to his ability to coach and the, the job he's done with the team? I think he is a great coach for the generation we have now. I don't think Steve Kerr would have been great 20 years ago. I think he came in as a coach at the right time with the right personnel. And he's doing a very good job with, like, that team is not good. Like, your team is not good. It has Curry and Draymond, and then the – the cliff off that team is like we're trying really hard to make them decent. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I cannot hate Andrew Wiggins enough, but Kerr's made him a basketball player, quote unquote. And I think he's a top 10 coach in the league. Now we need to do a top 10 coaches podcast for us, just for our sake. But uh, I just think Steve Kerr is a great coach. I think he's doing a really good job with what he can do with Curry, Curry and, and Draymond. And I think they definitely are overachieving every year, even when Curry was out. I still think they were overachieving. 
So, do you not like him? Are you an anti-Kerr? No, I wouldn't say I'm. I wouldn't use that, those words. Um, I think he's growing as a coach. Uh, you yeah. know, I, I think I think before he had a very he was very resistant to doing anything outside of his system that he coached, and I think it was very like he had Steph and KD on the on the same team and barely ran pick and rolls with them, right? Yeah, which is odd, right? In, in today's NBA. Um, and then I think the year that Steph was out, he, he, he got his teeth kicked in a little bit there figuratively around the league. Right. And, and then even this year, I thought there was like some growth, right. Like with players like Jordan Poole, who isn't really like a, a system, like a curse system kind of guy, but I thought he grew to the point where I was like, yeah, we kind of need somebody else to do something. Right. So, um, I think he's growing as a coach. I think he's, I don't think he's a top five coach in the league, but he's probably like around that top 10 ish area, like you said, you know, and, and also one, one quick caveat. I don't think, I don't think the Wiggins, whatever Wiggins improvement is from this past season. I, don't, I wouldn't necessarily put that on Curry. I would, probably, I would put that more on Curry. And I think it's the same sort of thing that you saw with Harrison Barnes in regards to how good and how functional he was with the Warriors. And then what he was not without the Warriors, um, I think it's the same thing with with Wiggins. I, I think that that Curry sort of pull, that that Curry gravity is um, is helping Wiggins' game a lot more, right? Yeah, yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah, I still I give a little credit to Curry. I got to give a little credit to Curry, but you're right. There is there's a lot of Curry gravity that's going there too. Um, yeah. the, but I mean, there's not a lot of coaches better than Kerr that you would like get rid of him to try to find somebody to step up in that spot. Not a lot of guys I'm knocking on the door that I would want to move over there. I mean, I still, there's a lot of good coaches in the league, but they're not, they're definitely not my favorite. So no, yeah. no, you're right. hundred percent. Okay. Fake trades. Fake trades. Da, 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 da. All right. So I'm going to do this to piss you off. <laughs> All right. My first trade, uh, Detroit Pistons call. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'll hold your excitement in. Paul calls from the Detroit Pistons, and he says he wants to give you Jeremy Grant and bring home Draymond back to Michigan. That's it? Is that the trade? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I guess he's on my face. <laughs> I was waiting for some other words and players. Uh, Jeremy Grant's younger. He's got cheaper. He's got cheaper contract for two years. He's. Uh, Warriors are not you're not gonna win another championship. You might as well get younger and blow up the team now with Dray well Draymond. Oh, that's and, blasphemous. It's uh... <laughs> <laughs> blasphemous. What I would say is you're you're basically asking me, I like Jeremy Grant. Like I think we've spoken about it on this podcast, right? When he was with the Nuggets, how much we both loved his fit there and what yeah. he did. And and even with the Pistons this past year, right? Like I don't think he's the number one guy, but he's a very useful guy, a two-way player. Yeah. Um Draymond Green is currently the best defensive player in the league. Uh, so as, as many, uh, as much faults that he does have offensively, specifically scoring and shooting, I'm not trading him for, for Jeremy Grant, uh, especially to what he's been to the organization too. You know, it's, it's not just, you can't look at it in a vacuum, man. Like, and, and maybe this is why, why I wouldn't be in there too. How many picks would you need to make this trade work? How about that? Uh, it would have to be too. It would be so many picks that the Pistons wouldn't agree because I, I, I think it would actually be a great fit for them for the Pistons and and bringing a guy home right and Draymond. But 
like Draymond's still the best, the best defender in the league. So I'm not trading him. <laughs> not 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 for Grant for sure. All right, all right, that's fine. I got some more more trades for you. Yeah. Uh, your wife calls. Okay. The Raptors general manager. She called. I mean, she could have just came downstairs. But okay. Go no, she called. She <laughs> okay. called. She uh, she is wanting Wiggins, Wiseman, and Kaminga, and she'll send over Siakam and Goran Dragic's loaded contract. For Siakam and Dragic. And you got to send some draft picks too. And I got to send draft picks? Yeah. <laughs> Almost <definitely>. cursed. <laughs> <laughs> Almost cursed, man. Uh, no, I'm good. <laughs> um, you don't want to give away, you don't want Siakam on your team, bringing him over? Basically, because I, I would trade Wiggins for Siakam straight up. Right, I like most people. There's no way anyone is doing that. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just talking it out here. <laughs> so, as a warrior, like as as a person who has Wiggins on the team, I would trade Wiggins for for Siakam straight up. If you told me I got to trade Wiggins and one of the rookies, I would think about it. Uh, I think that would be enticing for the Warriors, especially since they're in win now mode. Um, but to give up Wiseman and Kaminga and picks, no, there, there's no way they're getting picks. Um, and then, and then I wouldn't want to get no picks. What no, I wouldn't want Dragic either. Nobody does. No, no. Hold on, hold on for. We'll be, uh, we'll be right back. Just give me one second, okay? Sure. 